0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: That's an instance. We're starting a cult tonight and we always we're kinda interested on how people might go about that. Like how did David Koresh start out? You know, he's like, you know what, maybe I am the son of God.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Ashton Carr, Delaney Howell, and Mike Pearson on the podcast today. Guys, how are you doing this afternoon?
2: Not too bad at all, Ashton. I tell you what, it's a sunny day here as I prepared cross the mighty Mississippi River between Illinois and Iowa. Wow, what's it doing? What's the weather like down there in Texas?
0: It's pretty great down here. I haven't really been out of the house just yet. I've been working away, but from the looks of it, it looks pretty warm and very sunny, not a cloud in the sky.
3: Yes, and you've been working on some exciting stuff for today's podcast. As you mentioned yesterday, you got to go hang out with one of the fellow podcasters in Global Ag Network, Brent Carlson. I did, and it, it was,
0: um, I'm not going to say a mess. Mess probably isn't the proper word, but it was a little bit chaotic. I think me and Brent are pretty similar. So when you get us to start talking, we will talk for forever. And we just talked about absolutely nothing. So it was a little bit chaotic, but it was really, really fun. So I was glad to be able to get out of the house and get over to Hereford and see his setup.
2: All right. Well, I tell you what, and folks can stay tuned to hear that interview. But before we get to it, we've got to get through the news. And, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I'm sure our listeners are aware the stock market is collapsing today. The biggest. One day drop in the Dow since coronavirus first rocked the economy way back in March is happening today. And it's happening because we're seeing a lot of states have problems with COVID reemergence. Hospital rates are rising across the country, and conversations are turning back to how is the government going to adjust to this? Are we going to see more lockdowns come back into the picture? Mm-hmm. And this could weigh. On grain prices down the line, one of the things we're keeping an eye on, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, is demand for ethanol, which is influenced by the price of crude. And crude oil was down 8% today and still trading as we record, but down big earlier today as folks are wondering, are we going to see people actually get out and drive again?
3: Yeah, and we also had, of course, the June WASDE report today. Mike, have you uh, looked through those numbers yet?
2: Yeah, yeah, total total snooze fest. I Absolutely. mean, for the most part, yeah. right in line with what the trade was guessing. Delaney, do you have the numbers handy or you want me to run through them?
3: Yeah, you pull them up and run through them. The only thing I was going to add to it was there has been some new Chinese demand, which we can talk about here in a second, that obviously hasn't been factored into those numbers yet.
2: Absolutely. Do you want to hit that ethanol news? Or not ethanol news, export news. <laughs>
3: I've got yes, it, export news. We have seen state-run and private-run buyers purchase 10 cargos throughout this month, and three were sold overnight. So most of them are for marketing here kind of post-harvest or during harvest. <laughs> but ADM was quoted saying that they think China is actually following through on their buying Um, especially after a recent speculation that perhaps China was ordering their state run enterprises to stop buying, but they need soybeans. They have been purchasing soybeans. And we saw just this morning a flash export sale of 720,000 metric tons of soybean for delivery to China.
2: Yes, I believe, and I don't have the chart in front of me, but I believe this ranks in the top 10 of one-day soybean sales for exports, so it's definitely I, yeah. a huge mm-hmm. number. Should have lended more support to the trade, in my opinion. It didn't. We'll talk about those numbers in just a little bit. In the meantime, yes, I do have the WASD numbers here for you, and uh, basically, Minuscule changes. I just want to hit on ending stocks. That's really all we kind of care about at this point. Right now, the corn ending stock, USDA, raised it 5 million bushels. What they did is they increased carryover from last year. So beginning stocks rose 45 million bushels. We saw ethanol demand dropped by 50 million bushels, with le- which left us with an overall 5 million bushel increase. When we're talking a 3.323 billion bushel carryout, 5 million bushels is nothing. Similar story on soybeans. We did see the bean carryout drop a little bit. Soybeans came in at 395 billion bushels for ending stocks in the 2021 marketing year. And wheat up slightly. This one's not terribly surprising. The trade was thinking we'd see this crop grow a little bit. But a lot still remains to be seen as harvest is just getting started down in the Southern Plains, wheat ending stocks up 16 million bushels to 925. Ashton, what stories are you watching today?
0: I just read an article about lawmakers asking the USDA to address CFAP issues. So we've been talking about CFAP a lot lately since the applications opened on May 26th, I believe sometime in there. And lawmakers are voicing their concerns with the program. In a letter to Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, the lawmakers say that CFAP payments don't include commodities under contract, even though several crops that have been impacted are typically grown under contract, like potatoes and malting barley. Another concern that they have is that the USDA is covering livestock sales between January 15th and April 15th, when some of the lowest market values or market prices were well into April. And some other concerns that they had was CFAP does not recognize the cost premium of organic crops. USDA used data not fully representative of specialty crops when determining eligibility for the program, and payments don't distinguish the higher value given to the crops marketed directly through restaurants, farmers markets, and alternative markets. So the lawmakers are asking that the USDA continue to invest in long-term solutions to support The food supply chain instead of shorter term solutions that don't address underlying long term needs. So we will have to keep an eye out on whether or not the USDA comes back with a statement. And of course, if they continue to try to make a better long term solution to help out farmers and ranchers.
3: Speaking of that too, I was just going to add that the Farm Bureau Federation has also kind of made a demand list for what they want seen in the next round of the coronavirus relief bill. And I think this this letter they sent, or this demand letter, I'm going to call it, was about five pages long.
2: Do you know what was on there, Delaney?
3: I ju- Sorry, I just closed out of that link. Let me pull it back up here. Give me one moment. Well-
2: You take a look. I'm interested in that comment uh, that Ashton was reading there. You know, the value of organic or locally grown kind of specialty crops is higher when you're marketing through a farmer's market or Mm -hmm. through a restaurant. But from March 15th, March 16th through really June 1st, very few restaurants were open and few farmer's markets were open. So you weren't selling a whole lot of Mm -hmm. crops to that added premium market. I don't know how much additional premium there would have been for organic foods in that time frame that this program was supposed to uh, address.
3: I, I agree. I think that's a good point.
2: So do you have your uh, demand? Yeah, letter I do.
3: Yeah. Um, so the two biggest ones that jump out at me was they want USDA to increase the amount of money in the commodity credit corp, which again is used to pay out MFP or CFAP. Uh, to 68 billion dollars so currently it's at a limit of 30 billion so they want it basically doubled plus a little and they also have a few other smaller demands but that's the big one here
2: and i believe that 68 billion would be the full funding for ccc i think that's what they're shooting for is that would hit the uh the statutory limit of funding for ccc
3: okay got it I just have
2: one other quick piece of news and it kind of relates back to what I was talking about earlier. We have concerns about crude oil going forward. We have concerns about the economy seeing a second wave or a continuation of the first wave of coronavirus, whatever the heck you want to call it. And we've got some biofuel groups really trying to take some initiative. Um, We did see that uh, biofuel groups have come together and they have started conversations With both the presidential campaign of Donald Trump, of course, President Trump's EPA is the one that has really decimated the ethanol industry over the past three years, and they're also reaching out to Joe Biden, and they're pitching ethanol to both groups, trying to highlight the, uh, well, the important constituency that it represents in the Midwest, the wealth that ethanol has brought into rural America, and they're trying to make sure both presidents really understand how important it is to America's farm economy to have a solid ethanol industry. Uh, This was a renewable fuel association that is making these uh, overtures to the campaigns. And Jeff Cooper, who is the president we've had on the podcast, said that uh, his group has been in contact and, in fact, in conversation with both the Biden and the Trump campaign. So I think that's probably a, a good thing for rural America.
3: What's Biden's stance on ethanol? I don't even know if I know.
2: I I don't know either. I would imagine since he's you know kind of petitioning for a return to basically the Obama era that he supports it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obama was uh, you know better for ethanol than Trump has been. That's for sure. Um, so I would imagine Joe Biden's probably in that camp. But I I would you know timestamp that. I guess we'll wait and see what his campaign says.
3: Okay. Well, I have just one other piece of news I want to take it back to the soybean discussion for a second since we've been talking about crop progress and uh, soybean exports to China. One thing I should note out of that soybean export is quite a bit of that has come from the Pacific Northwest and when we looked this week at the crop planting progress, we saw you know significant increase in pretty much the whole country's almost done, except for, of course, the state of North Dakota, which still has about 26% of their soybeans to be planted as of June 10th. So I thought this was interesting. An analyst I follow shared this little piece of news, math, etc. And I I really think it holds some shocking value to it. So when you look at that 26% that still needs to be planted in North Dakota, They are, for reference, the fourth largest soybean state in the nation. So if they don't plant that 26%, hypothetically, if they don't get that 26% planted, that would equate to about 1.716 million acres of soybeans not planted, which, you know, I guess when you consider it a national scale, that's not you know, the hugest number, but it it still is a pretty drastic part of our soybean production.
2: Yeah, no, it certainly is. I mean, I think we would, prices the market would definitely notice if North Dakota goes 25% unplanted on soybeans.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: So we will continue to watch Ash, do you have any other news we need to keep an eye on today?
3: I don't.
2: All right. Well, Glenn, what do you say? Should we hit the market prices? Let's do it. All right, folks, and a uh, ho hum report danger in the crude oil market, and yet corn was up on the day. July corn up three and a half cents at 329 and three quarters. December contract up two and a quarter, closed at 343 and three quarters. Soybeans, despite phenomenal export news to China, up uh, mixed on the day. July contract up half a cent. Closed at 8.66. Even November down a quarter. Finished at 8.76 and three quarters. And the wheat market still continuing to sell off. The drop. Of the U.S. dollar wasn't enough to provide additional support. The July wheat contract in Chicago down seven cents at 4.99 and a quarter. December down five and a quarter. Closed the day at 5.15 and a half looking over at the livestock markets in live cattle august down a nickel at 96.45 the october down 32 and a half finished at 99.0750 Peter cattle recouped some of their early losses, but still closed in the red. The August contract down fifty cents at one thirty two seventeen half. The September down ninety, closed at one thirty three twenty five. Lean hogs, we've got uh, again a little bit of red on the screen today. The July contract down sixty seven and a half cents at fifty two twelve fifty. The August. Down 95, finished at 54.87 and a half. Over in the dairy market, taking a look at class three milk, we got mixed trade today. The June contract front month up 4 cents at 20.39. The July down to 44 cents. First real correction in quite a while. Closed the day at 18.92. Without further ado, let's kick it off to Ashton and Brent talking about whatever it is they felt like talking about.
0: Today on the podcast, we have Brent Carlson, who is a fellow podcaster on the Global Ag Network. Brent, how are you today?
1: I'm great when I figured out what we're finally doing because I get a little dense sometimes. I'm doing great. You have a voice. Your voice is a lot like Delaney's. It's very soothing. You need to get a job at Audible and start, re- I mean, just, just reading books. Yeah, just reading books. You could, you could read the greatest true crime story where a guy gets like cut up into 15 pieces and people go to sleep to it.
0: We've been talking about true crime like all all afternoon. And I, I think that would just be amazing.
1: It's like and, it, and turning the page, the left arm is left in the garbage disposal and the left leg is nowhere to be found. Chapter two.
0: I don't know about falling asleep to it, though. I listen to too many true crime podcasts and they freak me out. I can't stay at home by myself anymore
1: so i listen to uh, i've listened to a lot of them um i'm more i'm bigger on the first 48 on television and i listen to so many podcasts as it is or i listen to do you listen to audible
0: no i have not
1: so great thing about audible now is you can exchange books because i don't know how they make money doing that because it's not an actual book it's just digital and you can exchange your credit and get it back and get another book so i don't know they're making money some way but uh between all that and watching it on tv i've run out of stuff so i need to get some good true crime podcast
0: well why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners if they haven't listened to your podcast a little bit about it and how it all got started
1: well first i'll say is what is your problem if you haven't listened to my podcast yet because there must be something wrong with you somebody must have hurt you back in your past and your therapist is not giving you the right advice so um no, we are the Dryline Farmer Podcast. I've got a good friend, Landon Nolan, and he is my co-host, and um, he's a uh, fellow Red Raider, such as Ashton and myself are. And uh, yes, it is true. Nobody likes people from Texas Tech, and we're glad and perfectly happy with that. Well, haven't you found that, Ashton? That people think we're the only obnoxious college crowd that there is. Like
0: they hate us because they ain't us.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's it. Don't hate the game. Hate. The, I don't hate the player. <laughs> hate the game, Ashton. I always exactly. say. So, um, yeah, we're, um, all in a good kindred spirits because we're all from the great same area where we went to college. But yeah, so we're on the global ag network as everybody knows. And, um, we don't take ourselves seriously at all. We probably should a little bit more just to help our self-esteem. We get a little concerned about our own self-esteem sometimes when we do the podcast and you can hear me breathing into the microphone like that, but that's okay. You can use the noise reduction function on Audacity and it gets rid of that. But, um, no, we, uh, we started out as a, um, mostly farming. Podcast, and then we decided, you know, people get sometimes enough of that, and uh, we thought we'd throw in some more stuff. So um, from then on, from the after the first, I don't know, six weeks, we could only talk about. Far, actually, it was just me. Landon came on uh, a couple months into it, and he really added another dimension to the whole podcast with his uh, with his great humor. And we just uh, we really have a lot of the same uh, thought processes when it comes to uh, ideas, which is pretty scary. But um no we talk about anything and everything mostly we like to mock stuff and belittle people and um get negative comments on the internet uh posted about our podcast and uh your network ho- your network administrator and president um they always love that when you're one of your podcasts on your network gets negative comments and thumbs down and everything. So we like to keep doing that a lot because it uh, kind of irritates her. And she's a, I mean, anybody North of Oklahoma is a Yankee pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, no, Delaney's great. And, uh, we really appreciate everything she's done for us so far. And, um, so yeah, we, uh, pretty much just, um, whatever we find odd, whatever we find. So tonight, for instance, we're talking about how to start a cult. Have you ever been part of a cult? Ashton,
0: I mean I'm a red raider, so I feel like a little bit well, I don't know, maybe if I was an Aggie, I could say yes. But see,
1: you beat me to the punch. You beat me to the punch. I'm married to an Aggie and um only I married her because she's a two percenter and that's giving it a lot. She's that's being liberal with it. She's not even quite a two percenter because um I have to tell her when the Aggies are playing because I follow football and everything, even though nobody's playing football right now they're fighting some kind of microscopic virus. I haven't really heard about much yet, but, um, so no, we're like, that's an instance. We're starting a cult tonight and we always, we're kind of interested on how people might go about that. Like how did David Koresh start out? You know, he's like, you know what, maybe I am the son of God and, um, maybe I ought to get a little following for that. But, um, what were we talking about? Something about a podcast? I don't see. This is what I mean. So Ashley was telling or what we were talking about, how we start our podcast or how we get our ideas and so I told Ashton, I'm like, well, you know, for a while we planned and we wrote stuff down and, you know, the the content was fair, but the production was a lot smoother and solid. But a lot of the times we'd plan and we'd write it down and then we wouldn't do it. We would completely talk about something else. We would see like a land. So, so Landon opens up to that laptop there you're sitting in front of and he clicks on all the pop up ads <laughs> and and we start talking about that so i mean it, we try to plan stuff and um it just does not ever work out so we text that afternoon of and we text ideas that we have or something we see on tv or something we see on the internet and we just kind of go with it that's got everything to do with uh interviewing me for a podcast doesn't it absolutely yeah that's that's what we do here so um ashton it's great we have fun um you know Like I said, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We uh, try to hit on stuff that people aren't sick of hearing. We just riff and um, try to keep it interesting. And um, maybe we get a little lag in there. Most of the time we don't. And um if Madonna were to become a no-tiller or something, you know, that would be good news. We could That would be a crossover episode like on CMT. <laughs> Madonna does no-till cotton. It's exciting to be on the network. We have a lot of fun. And now that we're kind of everything situated and it looks like it's not going to rain anytime soon. And you're not a farmer if you don't complain. And uh, that's what I do. And that's what I'm going to do until it rains. And when it rains, it's probably going to hell us out. And that's great because I got lots of insurance. So.
0: Yeah, it's great, one, wonderful. One thing I don't think I've seen so much hail when I moved to Lubbock. It's like every day. Really? Oh my gosh! There was for a while there, and I say a while, it was probably like three or four days. It, That's like, a lot of days of rain up here every afternoon, and it would just hail.
1: Huh? And and Texas to the Texas Tech campus is a great area area for lots of rain. Oh, if it yeah. rains a half an inch, it's underwater.
0: We have, like, no drainage no system. Drainage.
1: Well, when there's no elevation change over 100 miles, um, that's what happens. You know, you have to create your own creeks and, and uh, riverbeds and everything because Lubbock is pretty flat. But, yeah, so we're having a good time, and um, Landon's going to be here shortly, and we're gonna, we're going to have Ashton on our podcast, and she sounds like she's a pretty qualified guest host. I'm really excited.
0: That makes me so happy. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you should be honored. (laughs) Yeah, you should. Well, I mean, I'm
0: cool enough to hang with the guys. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, I mean, it's not really a high standard (laughs) work. The bar isn't really set very high. So, I mean,
0: Mm. yeah, at least I can just kind of skip on over it.
1: Yeah, you can maybe you can drown us out and maybe raise up the quality a little bit. So we're excited. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, alrighty. We'll go ahead and just wrap it up. If you want to go ahead and just tell our listeners if. They can where they can follow you guys at on social media if they don't already. Hopefully they do because we're on the same network.
1: We are. So um, the big social media is obviously Twitter. and That's at, at Trader Brent, and that was before I did a podcast. I don't even know. I need to look and see if there is a at, at Dryline Farmer. It would be great if I'd have to do like at Dry Line Farmer 2, or I mean at Dryline Farmer Podcast 2 because that means somebody's already stolen my Dryline Farmer Podcast and Dryline Farmer Podcast 1. <laughs> that would be totally awesome because that means you're a celebrity. Um, okay, so guys, yeah, you can find us on at Trader Brent. Landon is at No forty four, and that's on at the Global Ag Network. And um, we're also on Facebook. Even though Landon's the only person that listens to on Facebook because he doesn't have a smartphone and he doesn't have an i you know clip flip phones don't have apps. They have numbers, is what they have, and. He still has to do the whole, like, you know how you have ABC on two and EFG. He has to do the duh, duh, duh to get to the third letter on the number. And, um, but, uh, he's, uh, we like him, I guess, a little nonetheless. So, um, and we're also on the global network. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, pretty much anything I don't have to pay for that's a free. No, I have to pay for SoundCloud, but, um, it's uh, all over the internet, Ashton.
0: All righty. Well, thank you so much for being chaotic with me today.
1: Thanks for being chaotic with me. <laughs> it's great. We may have to have a Zoom meeting uh, every we record on Tuesday nights. So and I bought the I bought the Zoom subscription. So now I can have as many as I want.
0: Awesome.
1: For more than 30 Perfect. minutes. Cool. All right, Ashton. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks again to Brent for having me out to his podcasting basement. I'm working on a new video project and I'm going to let you guys kind of see behind the scenes of what that looked like. It sounds a little bit eerie, but I promise it wasn't. It was a lot of fun. But before we head on over to Delaney and Mike to bring us out, let's take a pit stop with Ray for the Hot Rod Farmer Minute.
4: Welcome to the Hot Rod Farmer Minute. I am Ray Bohax from the Idle Chatter podcast heard on the Global Ag Network. You would be hard-pressed to find someone that does not recognize that though all motor oils have improved dramatically over the years, that a high-quality synthetic is still the gold standard. That is true, but is there a place for modern mineral-based oil in your operation? The answer is yes, and not just from a cost-savings measure. It is found in the term wet-ability. Simply put, an oil with a higher level of wet-ability will cling to engine parts longer after the engine is shut off. Mineral oil is more wettable than synthetic oil. This is important for an engine that is not used daily or even weekly. A mineral-based oil will stay on the engine parts longer, keeping rust and corrosion at bay. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Please visit farmmachinerydigest.com for more helpful hints and technical articles.
3: Well, again, that was Ray Bohacks with the Idle Chatter podcast. We're just podcasting all over the place today, but of course you can check out all of our fantastic podcasts at globalagnetwork.com, where you can listen to Brent and Ashton and their podcasts they just recently recorded. You can listen to the full Hot Rod Farmer Minute, or excuse me, the full Idol Chatter podcast there with Ray, as well as many other great podcasts. With that, guys, should we let the people go?
2: Let them go.